Oliver Bolly. It is Thursday, February the 8th, 2024. And have I got a show for you today? I am, or well, I would be renowned for my ability to uh, miss important dates by one day or four days or seven days. <laughs> I remember them in the end, but very, very not, 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 not on time. So, of course, I'm not renowned for that because nobody knows me yet. It's great. Uh, but I've got a little retrospective for you today because there was a very significant anniversary yesterday, a very significant one, and I want to get it in before the big thing comes out, which will be two years since the special military operation began, and which will happen very soon. But there's a significant thing that happened before that, uh, as is the case generally in Ukraine. There's something very, very important that happened before the thing that the mainstream media is talking about. And in this case, it is the public release of the phone call between Vixen Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt about their plans for the coup government in Ukraine in 2014. And that came out on, it was spoken about in the media on the 7th of February 2014, which was 10 years ago yesterday. <laughs> so we're doing a slightly retrospective uh, decade in review. What I wish to do is to take you back to that time. For, uh, because it's, an, it's a significant time for me. I'd begun my efforts in trying to understand power uh, around 2011-ish. Um, it was a transition that began with me starting in my field of professional uh, work at the time, IT. And so I was looking into technical stuff. And then I realised that really I was interested in power. And so I moved on to geopolitics, where I still am. So I want to go back to that time because it's, a, I think, a sort of a golden period of journalism, actually. And there's a sense of um, naivete that, that sort of gets ripped away. The, the first phase actually happens back in 2006, which is the beginning of the 9-11 Truth Movement, really. Obviously, it started a bit before that, in around 2004, with oh, whoever the, um, the religious uh, leader was, um, the priest, anyway, who was fantastic. Uh, but really, it's 2005, 2006, where that really starts to kick off. And then, so we're now at this anniversary in 2014, but I want to go back to 2013, to set the stage. So, uh, first of all, this is a screencasty thing, and that means I get to play with um, buttons. And the most important button on the whole of the homepage here is this one, Archive. Why? Because what that does is it displays the uh, publications in reverse time, so most recent and then back in time. This is like, really. Anyway, if you and essentially the, the normal page, the front page, all the stuff down here, this is partially time but partially you can choose new top so this is the stuff you guys vote for you guys get to choose what what appears here why the hell have we got Kucinich for kennedy jr at the top there it's because you guys voted for it i don't know there's some weird algorithm that they run and it doesn't matter this one <laughs> right get get rid of the stupid large display of this go away give me something consistent and then you can say oh what what looks interesting whatever enough of that so what i have for you is uh, in the show notes, of course, uh, a sequence of references, and we're just going to go through them, and I'm going to ramble on them about them as we go. So, 
We start here. Take her away, Ern. Yeah, take it away, Ernie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. The 23rd of April, 2023. And I mentioned recently that back in the day, Jeremy Scahill was a great reporter. This is that back in the day. This period, April 2013. And he was doing this wonderful uh, reporting on what was happening in Iraq. And then he got on to Yemen. And there's some wonderful stuff that he did, particularly highlighting the use of cluster munitions. And the US was dropping these in Yemen in these yellow, um, bright yellow canisters that looked to a child like something interesting to play with. Of course, they're cluster munitions and they, you know, you can imagine what happens from there. And that echoes all of the work that, for example, uh, Princess Lady Diana was doing in terms of the elimination of, of landmines. This idea of removing these weapons from use, it's just they're disastrous and they last decades after the conflict and still cause carnage for anyway so that's back in the day this is really good i like check this shit out i've in the show notes below i've given you direct links to the mp4 files so you can just download them i'm all about downloading shit and not having crap playing browsers browser players are shitful download the crap and listen to it with a good local audio player or local video player anyway this is me i'll probably wrap it on about that as well so that's the first thing. So there's a, there's a moment in time. This is where we're at back in 2013. This is starting to come out. Remember, who is the president? It's St. Obama. And who is his secretary of state? It's the queen, the queen of warmongers, Hillary Clinton, right? And we've just had two years before the Libya shit show, right? Which we still, we're only just finding out at this point of time was all about oil. Well, not all, there were two things that it was about. One of them was oil, and this was the French that wanted in on that. And this is a, a collusion with, who was it, Sarkozy or the guy before him? I can't remember. The French were deeply involved in this because they wanted the bloody oil. And, of course, this is their old um, uh, imperialist territory, right, North Africa. So they're heavily involved. And the other part of it, which no one ever speaks about, is the fact that Gaddafi had just come out and said that he was going to create a new currency, essentially for... Uh, the trade, and it was going to be a regional currency, an African currency, and it was going to be called the dinar, and he was going to back it with gold. And that is what caused this. Everything else is sort of superfluous in my view. It's about that. And the US just went, oh no, you fucking well don't. <laughs> and they had him sodomized with a sword. And um, so... Anyway, so this is the period that, that I'm beginning to realise what's going on in the world. And this is the period that, that we're in if you're following um, alternate media at the time. And back in this time, democracy now is fantastic, really good. It sort of sold out to, I think it was infested with money from um, Soros and co. So, you know, shit happens over time. Um, but I still think Amy Goodman was a fantastic uh, interviewer, brilliant, and um, you know, was a great journalist back in the time. She was she was in um, Indonesia, uh, was it? I think she was in Timor, yeah, uh, when there was the Indonesian heavy-handed stuff on the uh, Timorese independence movement, whatever, and you know she got shot at and whatever, and they only managed to escape by the skin of their teeth and whatever, only because they were US citizens and waving their US passports managed to get out. Anyway, good stuff. There's lots of great history if you dig around. Anyway, so there we are, early 2013, and learning about the shit that's going down in Yemen under St. Obama and, um, and Billary. And the next day, <laughs> we get this. 
Scahill puts out a book called The World is a Battlefield, which is um, uh, Dirty Wars. This is Dirty War in the context of uh, Iraq and Yemen and is really a precursor for what's about to come. So, I, you know, as I said, Scahill was a great journalist back in the day and then he sort of got bought out by um, the media through the uh, first media, first book media, which is the parent organisation behind The Intercept. Anyway. Onwards. So what's the big thing that happens in 2013? Just a couple of months later, this one. <laughs> right? And this is what dominates the news for the rest of 2013. Because what happens on a presidential election year and that are in the you know, middle of the term, you know, 2012 to 2016. So saying Obama's second term, and then this thing blows up. And this, of course, is just right up my alley. You know, IT, blah, 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 tech, computer science, I prefer. Anyway... Uh, and so this is fantastic. And uh, what I've done is given you uh, the YouTube uh, URL, which you, remember you can download all YouTube. You see, see below, I talk about YTDL, uh, well, of this full interview, right? The 12 minute interview. And one of the fascinating parts of that is that it actually gives away where he is. Because, of course, as soon as the, there's a, the first of the releases, which was from Greenwald, was a few days before. Uh, like two days before, three days before, I think, um, was about one element of the whole um, scandal behind all the spying and whatever. At that point, the uh, the intelligence organisations realised got realised they've got a problem. They've got, you know, um, someone's gone completely AWOL on them and this guy, right? They didn't know who it was at the time, but they knew when this thing came out. Oh fuck! <laughs> it's Snowden. And then they're like the, all of the world's Western intelligence agents are trying to find out where the hell he is. And of course, as soon as this is videoed by Poitras and put out, they're scouring this damn, damn thing. And the way they work out where he is is via the light fitting in the room. Interesting that, right? So if you're ever going to do this sort of shit, Poitras is good. Very, very good. But there you go. That was the thing. Right? What unique thing is there in the room that's going to give away? Right? Anyway. So it was a light fitting, which is cute. So they're at the Mirror Hotel in Hong Kong. And then there's the wonderful story about, you know, the runaway, and then he goes underground, and, and um, this American, uh, American or Canadian, one of the two, I think, Canadian, whatever, um, lawyer Thibault uh, gets involved to try and sort of save his ass. And the other part to that, of course, is that, um, oh, what's her name? Sarah Harrison, who's um, a member of WikiLeaks, gets sent down there by... Um, Assange to save Snowden's ass and the question is why does he do this and the answer is because he's very interested in having uh, whistleblowers survive their whistleblowing he's very interested in this because of what he's doing with the WikiLeaks he's providing this platform for them to anonymously submit documents right? based upon the realisation that if there's 2 million people in the US with top security clearance, then it only takes a very small fraction of them, in a percentage way, to produce a lot of them that could give them a lot of good documents. So that's the idea. The survival of whistleblowers is of paramount importance to the success of WikiLeaks as a project. So uh, that's why he gets interested. And then there's the whole story about Harrison and Thibault and how Snowden goes underground, living with um, people in Hong Kong who are sort of uh, refugees and so he survives with them. This story comes out um, months and months and months later via um, Z- 
Der Zeitung, some German, South, South German publication, they come out with a whole story that's fascinating. Um, and then, of course, the ongoing story from that is that he gets out uh, on a plane with uh, Harrison and the US cancels his visa mid-flight. So when he lands in Russia, because they're on their way to uh, via the Caribbean to Ecuador, if I remember correctly, um, he gets trapped in the, in the airport in Moscow. It wasn't that he was going to Moscow, he just can't go any further because his passport's been cancelled and by the... Uh, <laughs> by the Americans, and then the brilliant story that follows that. See, I am going to ramble here. Uh, is there's this brilliant thing where Evo Morales is in Russia at the time, so he's the Bolivian president at the time. He's in Russia to talk to the Russian about something, God knows what. Uh, and Snowden, sorry, not Snowden, Assange. I'm sure it was Assange because I've, I've uh, yeah done the research on this. Essentially, leaks to the media that Snowden might be on this plane, which is leaving uh, Russia. And that plane is Evo Morales' presidential flight, right? which is going to take him back to Bolivia. And so the, the CIA essentially uh, cash in all of their chips to have this plane uh, grounded. And it gets, uh, it gets denied transit through at least... Spain and France, whatever. Anyway, it ends up landing in Austria. And the, you know, the goons <laughs> go and search the plane. Of course, Snowden's not on it. And the CIA must be terribly embarrassed by this and it costs them an awful lot. I mean, you're bringing down a president. I mean, talk about diplomatic um, protection. You know, you don't bring down <laughs> presidential planes. Anyway, very funny. So that was... So if you want to look up that, I didn't look this up. There's too much to look up. If you want to look that up, if that was Assange who did that. Very cool. Anyway, so this is the next thing. So this is dominating the news. So the question is, what comes from here? And the next thing that happens, uh, geo, very, very important geopolitically, but nobody noticed at the time, is the Belt and Road Initiative. China announced this at a meeting in Kazakhstan in September. So uh, here it is, uh, adopted by the Chinese government in 2013. Where do they talk about this? Blah, 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 Marshall Plan. What are you crapping on about? Anyway, there's a meeting in, uh, in uh, Kazakhstan uh, in September which announces this. So nobody notices, of course, <laughs> because, you know, very big news. I wasn't t tuned into this at the time. I wasn't at that level. <laughs> So that's another thing that's going on. And then we're moving forward in time. Right? We're still in 2013. To, yes, right? So, and then here's the next one. Of course, Washington Post being, you know, please pay us for your shit. Fuck off. We're not playing that game. Here's, here's, here's no JavaScript. Boom. Um, CIA ramping up covert trading program for moderate Syrian... Remember the moderate rebels thing? There were, there were podcasts created with that title because it was such a good thing, moderate rebels. <laughs> So here's a great article by Greg Miller, who's telling us a bit about what the what the CIA are doing. They're expanding a clandestine effort to train opposition fighters in Syria amid concerns that moderate US-backed militias are rapidly losing ground in the country's civil... What? There are concerns that the US-backed militias are rapidly losing ground in the country's civil war, US officials said? Yeah, right? Remember, we're this 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, we're all in the thick of this shit now. 
But back in the day, this was quite, you know, revolutionary as reporting. But the CIA program is so minuscule. Yeah, 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 bullshit. It's the most heavily funded <laughs> coup campaign thing. It lasted well over 10 years. It's billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. Remember there was the, the interview of some, you know, uh, member from the general chief of staff or whatever in front, in front of the Senate or whatever and they're saying. And he, he says, uh, yeah, well, we spent some millions... Uh, Tens of millions, or whatever it was, you know, da, da, da. and then the senator asked, "So, how many, how many, um, how many uh, uh, moderate rebels did you train with this money, General?" And he says, five, about five. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna look that up. Anyway, it's heaps of great stuff. So, so here we are. This is this is September when all the fun stuff happens from the uh, <laughs> from the uh, globalists, establishment, elite, Mickey Mouse. Call them what you want. Doesn't matter. Deep state. I think deep state's probably the the best of all phrases. Although, of course, the Mickey Mouse is the best because it actually says what it is. It's good. Um, right. <laughs> so September. All right then. And uh, uh, there is a now. Th- this this is a marker for me to remember to do this because there is the thing that happens here. This is in November, uh, and this is Paul J. Uh, on a program he ran on the Real News Network, which still exists uh, and is has been a hotbed for training fantastic journalists. And of course, um, Paul Jay's well established by that stage. He ran a Canadian broadcasting corporation uh, um, show which discussed uh, political events and so forth. I don't know, it was half hour long, an hour long, whatever interview program for, for years and years and years, uh, I, which I never saw any thereof. But this is how I came to know Paul Jay, and he is a fantastic interviewer. Uh, and I have a great appreciation for good interviewers, which is one of the reasons why I get so frustrated with Napolitano, because his interviewing is crap. <laughs> but anyway, Paul Jay is very good. And he's doing, as I've asserted, <laughs> to reuse the term recently, he's doing similar things to that which uh, Robert Shear is doing. At, at Shearpost, and that is trying to pass on skills to the next generation uh, of journalists. So he's doing that with these these young guns, Ramos and, and whoever it is. Uh, and the same thing is happening with Paul Jay. He, after this on the Real News Network, he set up uh, a site called, or an organisation group, whatever, called um, theanalysis.news. You'll see me link to them now and then. Uh, and that's it's primarily video interviewing that he's doing. And there was a great interview recently done by uh, an, uh, a woman with an Italian surname that I can't recall. And so he's doing the same sort of thing, uh, helping other people to, to develop the skills. And in one sense, um, interviewing it couldn't be that hard, but it does require a lot of work up front. You have to do all of the research so that you are at least close to the topic uh, which the person you're interviewing is the specialist in. And that's where, for example, Scott Horton, why he's so good, because his voluminous historical brain is full of stuff. So when he, whoever he has on, like I was mentioning, Tim Shorrock recently on, on uh, North Korea, uh, you know, <laughs> good old Horton's got just oodles of stuff, stuff in his brain about the history of things. So he's a great interviewer because he understands the, the topic. Anyway, the thing, the reason I love this is, first of all, it'll be a fantastic interview. I can't, I'm sure I've seen this before, but that was many, many years ago. And look at, look at McGovern. This is 10 years ago. Now he's completely <laughs> white-haired. This is his natural hair colour at the time, I'm sure. 
he doesn't he doesn't get into the um, the coloration um, and he's all looking quite dapper and so forth he went through the uh, phase not too long remember two, about 2000 and when was it um, Snowden um, uh, manhandled out of the Ecuadorian embassy it was 2019 was it and that's when he starts growing his beard in solidarity with um, the disheveled Assange being dragged out of the embassy anyway he's looking rather dapper back in his day um, and so I won't play either of those, of course, because that would be a scumbag thing to do. So, but I, links are below. Like, there's a, I've tried to put in here um, reference material, which may be of interest to you if you're interested in going back in these times. And I will listen to this again. So it's an interview in two parts, 17 minutes for one, and I'm like 15, 16, whatever it is for the other. So that brings us to November. And where are we up to after that? We are up to the anniversary. So here it is. On the 7th of February 2014, we have this leak. And of course, this is the leak in which we find out that uh, the US has... Well, it's obvious that the CIA is is, uh, heavily involved in the generation of the protests, which then lead to the coup and they're planning who's going to be in the government after the coup, and then that planning is very effective because these people end up in the government after the coup. And again, it's an unelected government, right? It's an interim government, and then there are going to be elections, but the interim government has an awful lot of control of what happens in those elections, and that's a normal story. So that's the, this is the, the anniversary. And one of the fun things is, if you go to uh, YouTube and you look up um, uh, Newland and Pyatt, and, you know, leaked phone call, you watch what they throw at you, right? The, the thing to do is to know that the, the length of the call is 5 minutes and 23 seconds, or thereabouts. I've given you the, the video uh, with the, all the audio and um, transcript put over the top of it. You see what you find. You'll get tens and tens and tens of bits and pieces that have got nothing to do whatsoever with that. It's deliberately buried by the search algorithm. But it's still there. Uh, and the video that I've given you uh, has been taken down at least once and then reinstantiated because they couldn't find a reason to bury it. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, which which one of the of the community guidelines did it break? And the answer is none. <laughs> so there you go. Stuff that YouTube. It, it's also a demonstration of something which is known in the in the tech community, or at least in the activist tech community, as the Internet Hydra. Which is to say, if you try to suppress content that people find interesting, what happens is there are enough people out there that aren't stupid enough to just assume that it's going to continue to exist on the interwebs. They download the bloody thing. And then when it gets disappeared, they go, well, fuck you. <laughs> Upload it again. So you can't suppress content that's of that degree of import. I don't know how many comments, copies of this audio exist out there, but I can tell you every single intelligence, military intelligence agency on the planet's got a copy for a start. And then there will be tens of thousands of activists with a copy of this. So I think in the end, YouTube just go, fuck it, what can you do? So there's another one. There's a sort of cute phrase, which I think comes from, what's his name? The, The singer from The Grateful Dead. Uh, who ended up being a heavy sponsor for the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And it's a, it's a statement that goes like this, that the internet routes around censorship, which is complete bullshit, but it captures an idea, which is, better, I think, better expressed by um, the internet hydra. Anyway, 
So that's the uh, that's the thing, and we we can sort of tie these things together. Let's get my govern up here again because he's he's such a gorgeous man. Um, there are wonderful. If you do a little digging, you'll hear him describe again and again the the 2014 coup as the um, the most blatant or the most obvious or the most publicised. I think the most blatant. Um, coup in history <laughs> because it was forward announced right the coup hasn't happened yet it happens on the 22nd 23rd and this comes out on the 7th at the time as you'll hear McGovern relate if you find these clips and which is one of the reasons I'm giving you this stuff from back in this period right so if, have a look for McGovern on um, the real news network and so forth or democracy now uh, <laughs> is because at the time Putin is at the um, when this comes out, like on the 7th of February, he is in Sochi uh, when Russia, the Russian Federation is hosting the Winter Olympics, right? And he sees that, obviously, his military intelligence people come and say, oh, wait, just, just so you know, President, this shit's going down. And it's like, we already knew that was going down. Why are you bothering me? <laughs> it, it, there's a, they published the, oh, really? I see. Well, there we go. So we shouldn't have to worry about that then. That means we have to be less concerned about the... Um, the coup that we knew they were going to run. And uh, this is sort of the point that McGovern makes, is that the, the, the CIA don't give, no, <laughs> don't give two shits about that. They keep running it anyway. So this is the, the level of belligerence. Like, the Russians must have been, surely it's, the game's up now. Come on, everybody knows. <laughs> CIA don't give a shit. They just keep going anyway. Anyway, because there was too much money to be made. And, uh, and we'll get to that in a bit. So uh, where are we up to? Let's get back here. This is this is an important. We'll get back to the money in a moment. This is uh, myself giving a little bit of a hat tip to Robert Parry, who started Consortium News, and you will see that all the time I'm providing um, articles uh, published at Consortium News because Joe Lauria uh, is doing a fantastic job of continuing the the organisation Consortium News, which Robert Parry put up. And the question is, why did he do this? And so the, there's a little background to Parry, and that is that he was the main investigative journalist behind the Iran-Contra uh, scandal leaks in terms of publishing them. And Parry had worked for a bunch of um, mainstream uh, US uh, news publications as an investigative journalist. And in the end, they kept spiking his stories. And so he got a bit jack of that, and so he started Consortium News. Bugger it. Right, I'll start an organisation and start publishing myself. What we can do is have a place for you know, independent journalists to publish, and we'll you know, do our best to you know, pay them a reasonable amount for an article and all that sort of stuff, which is it's exactly what she is doing. He, he was doing that back in the days of um, uh, Ramparts. But anyway, so this is a tradition. There's a long tradition of US sort of rebel journalism, which is great. Um, and Parry was one of them. And so this, he set this site up back in 1995, which is when nothing existed on the internet. He beat all of the major US uh, media to publishing on the web, which is something that um, Laurie will happily point out to anyone who will listen. Uh, and so this is a fantastic article. Look at the date, May 10th, 2014. Burning Ukraine's protesters alive. And this is what happened in Odessa. <clears throat> so we don't know now, I think that we know now the number of people who actually died. So what happened was there was, essentially there were, there were pogroms running in Ukraine against the Russian 
uh, ethnic and speaking peoples of the East and South. I know that's, of course, in the South. Uh, and basically, the, this bunch of nationalist neo-Nazis, actually straight-up Nazis, essentially um, were described as football hooligans, hooligans, which is, to a degree, that which they were. Um, they ended up just being drafted into the military and then sent to war against uh, the, um, the Russian, <laughs> Russian ethnic people in the East. So note the date. Right? This is May. Uh, the, the, the new government comes into, the coup government comes into effect 23, 22, 23, 20, something like that, end of February. And there were meant to be elections scheduled for something the middle of May. This is before the middle of May that this happens, right? And parries on to win. It doesn't take the new government long to start the ethnic cleansing program, which is really what was happening, um, there because there's all this tension in the um, in Ukraine between the nationalists from the West, the Ukrainian uh, nationalists, who had previously the Banderas, the Bandera, right, the Banderaistas or whatever you want to call them, the Nazis, and their animosity for for the Russians, you know, and the the Bandera had had sided with the the Nazis uh, during the Second World War, and you know killed a lot of Ukrainians and Jews. And, whatever anyone else they didn't like. Um, so yeah, so back in May, it's all off in then. And this is the time when um, Luhansk and Donetsk go, oh shit, this is not good. We don't want anything to do with this government because they then start banning Russian as a language and they can see where this is going. Right? They're burning people alive in Odessa and they're banning Russian language. These people have lived through a lot. They understand where this is going to go. And so they say, we'll have nothing to do with this government. We didn't elect them. You know, we elected the other guy. He got ousted and then these, these Nazis have been put in power. We, don't, we know where this is going to go. So we'll take a short pause there. And we're back. So... Moving right along from this wonderful work by Robert Parry, spotting this right at the beginning where this was going to go terribly wrong, I found another article which I didn't know about from Forbes, which is very interesting. So check this out. This is by um, uh, Vladimir Goldstein, Professor of Slavic Studies at Brown University. And so he immigrated from uh, the Soviet Union back in 79 uh, to the States. And he makes a point, uh, a whole bunch of points about uh, Ukraine. And again, let's look at the date of publication. This is May the 19th, so just a little week after Parry's article comes out, right? The 10th, and here's the 19th. Because he also can see what's going on in Ukraine. And he's saying, do not read the mainstream media. They're not telling you what's going on. How about that? Again, back in 2014. It's a very interesting period uh, for me in terms of journalism. So just to look at his main points, regardless of the claims of the coming countries, um, the divisions are real, right? And the violence unleashed by the Kibrit is polarising the nation even further. Western press was wrong about the massacres in Odessa. The election schedule that would hardly solve the economic problem, and there is a glaring absence of good candidates. And what he goes on to say here is quite, uh, in, well, insightful, hardly surprising, because he's from, I gather, this area, he knows a lot about it. So he talks about Poroshenko and Yanukovych and so forth. Um, 
His party is mired in Bandera Nazi accusations. They turn out to be thoroughly um, uh, vindicated. There's an awful lot of work that goes on in 2016 highlighting all these Nazis. It goes on and on. Anyway, and then it gets completely subverted once the, uh, the Russians start the special military operation because they don't want anyone to know about this usual crap. Now, which is to say there's the echo of Syria. So in Syria, they, they fund these moderate rebels who are actually um, Wahhabist, foreign Wahhabist uh, extremists. So, you know, fund and arm and train them uh, to throw, overthrow the al-Assad government. Which is to say the CIA is using extremist mad people uh, to do their bidding. And the same is true. They just This time it's Nazis. Last time it was Wahhabists. It's the same shit. Extremist, crazy people. The politicians do not really matter in Ukraine because Ukraine is a land of oligarchs. And there it is. And there he is, Mikhail Gorokovsky, who we hear about is one of the major backers of, um, what's his face, Zelensky. <laughs> right? um, you know, you can read all this. Um, the Western press, including Ford, underestimated the extent of Kolomoisky. Here it is, Kolomoisky. He's the dude behind the whole damn thing. Right? And then he gets a little bit, wanders into, yeah, I'd say less uh, useful um, Stuff Russia is weak. Yeah, bullshit. Um, uh, and Putin has been accommodating. This is true. Putin has been. But I think he, what he's saying here is that he's, you're backing him into a corner. Don't do that shit. You know, like Russia's... It makes one good point, um, which I thought... Which we, which we hear echoed again and again later on. Um, Those Western politicians confuse the power. There's a point here is which is basically careful. Putin was not too bad, you know. If, if you get rid of him, look who you consider carefully who you're going to get next, is what he's saying. Yeah, but what needs to be stressed is that the next Russian leader might not be that accommodating. <laughs> exactly, and here he's citing, you know, um, Kissinger and Matlock. Right, Matlock's a former uh, U.S. ambassador to Russia. Knows it. Thing or three, that's the usual story. Anyway, um, so that's sort of that historical wonder. Uh, what I wanted to do is I've added one resource here, which I've mentioned once before, I don't know, a year and a half ago, whenever it was, and this is a, a gigantuan resource, which I wish to emphasise again, so I'm going to wander you through it. It's in all the show notes down below. Uh, and it is this guy, Danny Sheehan. <clears throat> so Daniel Sheehan is what's known as a cause lawyer. So he achieved his law degree from Harvard, I think it was, and then went to work for some, you know, very uh, powerful law firm in, in New York and so forth. And the deal he had with them, and this he tells in his story, he likes to tell war stories, lawyer war stories. He says, right, the deal with them was half of his time was to be devoted towards whatever cases uh, they assigned to him, this law firm. The other half of the time, he could do whatever he really wanted. And what he wanted to do was get involved in um, using the law and the power that, that is vested in the judiciary to reform uh, the establishment, the Mickey Mouse, etc. And so what he does at the Romero Institute is he provides uh, several courses, but there are two of them that I'm highlighting and I'm going to show you through this now. The reason I do this is because in these courses, and we're talking 14 lectures each of an hour and a half each, 
that's how much material is here. And it's going to take a while for you to go through it if you're interested. And I cannot recommend this enough. It is fundamentally important stuff. This is a guy who was at the coalface in a legal sense of trying to get to the heart of the sickness within the, the US um, elite crew establishment, Mickey Mouse, call it what you want. Uh, and so I mentioned earlier that Parry was the guy, the journalist in the US who was at the forefront of exposing Iran-Contra. This guy, Daniel Sheehan, was doing the legal equivalent, and he talks about this. So there are two courses, the oldest of which, which is further down. You've got to scroll through all this crap. It's a bit of a bugger because there's a note. The, the naming of the videos and the way it's done is not as strict as it could be. So it's a bit of a bugger. I've tried to buy some guidelines. And you really want the download tool that I'm recommending as well. So here we go. The first course is really a history course. And so just we have to scroll through all this crap, you know, YouTube doing YouTube. Sorry about this. Um, but, you know, it's sort of unavoidable. Um, this is a guide for your... Um, doot, 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 yeah. And we're getting into the pre-material here. We're sort of scrolling to the end. Yeah, we have to scroll to the end, basically, first. Right, there's this thing on um, JFK alternative, which is, yeah, yeah, don't, don't fuss too much about that. Comparing theories. This is, you can get into that if you want to, um, but I find it, it's a little bit nebulous. It's interesting because he basically puts out um, a, a bunch of cases, you know, was it the CIA, was it the banks, was it the whatever. He, you know, puts a bunch of ideas up there and just goes, well, you know, we sort of don't know. And, but there's good stuff in there, like, you know, the Warren Commission and how that was stacked and Dulles was put in charge of it and all this sort of shit. <laughs> so have a look. That's, that's of interest, but... Of better uh, for me is this one, Trajectory of Justice. Oh, no, hang on. That's, yeah, but we have to, you've got to look for the dates here. 2015, that's not it. Um, Santa Cruz, here we go. Politics and world. This is actually very interesting. He puts forward this idea, because Sheehan's also been involved in UFO research. <laughs> very interesting stuff. So he talks about this, uh, it's a bit of a sort of quizzical, quizzical idea, about Octave, right? He's into this, this, so that's eight, right? Octave from music, right? So he talks about these seven worldviews and that, that, you know, it's possible to reach another understanding. You know, the sort of Octave, eighth worldview thing. It's an interesting idea, um, but not, you know, deeply involved in history, which is what I am particularly interested in and his view of it. Here it is, the rulers of the realm. 2016, so shitty American dates. Three is the month, obviously, right? So here it is. It starts here. This one, Rules of the Realm, and then the Rules of the Realm title sort of disappears, so you follow the dates, right? Here, right? The end of the Cold War, Bush, the rubber... So he's going back in time here, right? So but, so we're at the, um, the 12th of um, April, but he's gone back in time. Right, so it, he's sort of wandering around, right? So it's not completely linear, but go through this. It's fantastic, right? So imperialism, the labour unrest. This is a hugely important topic, and then World One, World Two, World War Two, um, and then these are all the covert action stuff that he wants to talk about. This is fascinating stuff, right? And uh, I quite like Sheen. He's got a slightly, you know, Irish accent, and you know, in the style of, of Ray McGovern. So I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm bit partial to the Irish accent and so forth. And he's also, he's a barrister. So, you know, he, he knows how to tell a good yarn. <coughs> and so go for this. So this is the first thing to do. Download all of these, right? The whole course worth, just down one after the other. 
and just check that they, you know, get them in order and rename them or number them however you want so that they're in order and ready to go, right? And don't start watching them all until you've got them all, is my advice. And it goes up to here. Uh, so, it, yeah, so they're sort of renaming the thing, in a sense. Watch the dates. It's the dates that matter. So there we go. I think that is the last video for, for this particular series. So, as I said, watch out. So we're back in 2013 here. It's a bit hard to stitch them all together. So sorry about that, but that's the first one. It's a historical review. And the next one is where all of the real data is, in my view. Not, I mean, there's data everywhere, but this is the big one. And it's here, it's this. So we're starting on the 10th of April here in 2012. So even back further in time. And these are his war stories. These are all these critical cases that he is the prime lawyer for where he's fighting for justice, essentially, to reform the, the power establishment in the US. And it's fascinating. So this is very early stuff, right? This is early in his career. And then he goes on, Roe v. Wade. Yeah, he was involved in that shit too. Um, Bedford riots, the Pentagon Papers. He was involved in that as well. I'm, just, this, I'm telling you, the stuff's here. Watergate burglary. And onwards. Watergate hearings, blah, blah, ties to um, Kennedy assassinations. This one, the Karen Silkwood case, this is how the Israelis get the plutonium. This is how the Israelis get the bomb, right? And he knows it because he, he was the principal lawyer in this shit, right? So it, there's two parts in this, right? So don't worry too much about, about well, you know, she's got things, something to add, but I you know, particularly focus on the lawyer, right? Uh, and then we go on. Yeah, see, he takes quite some time to look at Karen Silkwood because it's that important. So he's providing all the damn details that he can. And there's some historical stuff that's intercut in here, which is not to do with the course. Don't let that phase you too much. Um, and there we go, the trial. There's three. Silkwood, he does three lectures on this. It's big. Um, and then there's a little thing. And then we get back to it here. The Greenborough civil rights uh, case. And then um, the American sanctuary movement. This is very interesting too. And then here we are, Iran-Contra. And he spends quite a bit of time on, time on this because all the damn details are here. And the interesting, the fascinating part about this is that the struggle that a cause lawyer has is finding uh, a plaintiff with standing. That's the hard bit. And it's a, an obscure way that he manages to find someone who's got standing and he has to really sort of barge his way through the US court system to actually get the case to proceed to discovery. And once he's got that, he knows he's in. Bang. And on it goes. And there's plenty about this. Like, this is fascinating stuff if, if you're a crazy weirdo like me, right? There it is. It goes on. And then he goes the big picture from here. So those two cases that I mentioned in the show notes, but right, there it is. <clears throat> and uh, so with that, I'll conclude by returning to the anniversary, right? So 10 years ago, yesterday, was when the media began discussing the um, Newland Pyatt leaked phone call in which they're outlining the future post-coup government of Ukraine. And we know that just months later, they're killing Russian uh, ethnic people in Odessa and essentially the rest of the east and south of Ukraine can see what's coming and the beginning of the, uh, the resistance is established because the Ukraine regime uh, start a an anti-terrorist campaign, which is a civil war, is what it turns into. I mean, we see what they've been doing. 
right? In Odessa, burning people alive in the trades union building, right? And then they declare an anti-terrorist campaign. They're not coming after the people who burned the people alive in Odessa. No, no, no. They're coming after the people that were burnt alive. So this is the background to it. So when everyone says about, oh, it's a special military, bullshit, right? Eight years plus previous. And what I don't have lined up here are interviews uh, or the story of Russell Texas Bentley. And his story is fundamental to understanding what's going on. Uh, he's a US citizen who has a bit of a rough time of it, gets banged up for possession of um, marijuana. In the end, he heads off to Ukraine to side with the, uh, the people from Donbass who are defending themselves against the uh, aggression being meted upon them by the Ukrainian coup government bunch of Nazis. So he sides with the communists, essentially, because he's basically a communist. Um, and his story is fantastic. And he becomes essentially, uh, after serving in the militias uh, to defend the peoples of uh, Donbass against the Ukrainian army, um, he becomes an information warrior, in a sense, uh, because he speaks English and so forth. And so his story is fascinating. And Regis Tremblay is the person who did the most in terms of documenting his story that I saw. So that's another reason why Regis appears now and then, because good bloke. And so that's enough wandering around from there. Where are we at now? Uh, the US is basically, everybody knows where this is going to go. Ukraine's lost. And uh, what recently Alex Christoforo was mentioning was that uh, the, the suggested new strategy put forward by Stephen Bryan, uh, first on his... Uh, uh, Substack publication and then republished by Asia Times is that one way or another they're going to put Budinov in power, uh, who's the head of the SBU, uh, who basically uh, remember the big uh, massacre that everyone got worried about, worried about it. Some little town, and all these people are dead after the Russians pulled out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't the Russians that killed them; it was the SBU. Right? It's a bit mixed up, but basically it's um, it's more of the propaganda stuff, right? for the Western audience, very much in line with the White Helmets operation that was run in Syria. So there's all these through lines through all of this stuff. Um, but where are we at now? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. They're going to shift the uh, Operation Ukraine. Project Ukraine gets shifted from the military back to the CIA. Started with the CIA, back to the CIA. There we go. And that's what uh, Christopher has been mentioning. We haven't seen that happen yet. But given all the recent hoo-ha about, you know, divisions between Zelensky and Zelensky and Z and Z having trouble with each other and blah, 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 blah. They're trying to get rid of Zelensky, which is going to be a bit of a problem because it's a pretty popular guy. Uh, but despite the fact that they've been losing terribly, but the reason they've been losing terribly because they had no bloody chance at all. Right? And all the West, the, you know, the military idiot planners in in, uh, in Washington where everything, oh, you know, we'll be able to get these other Russians to no good. You know, we'll innovate them out of existence and da 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 It's just not working because the Russians are quite clever um, and determined, right? The US is being meted exactly the same fate that befell Napoleon and Hitler before. Don't take on Russia in their territory. It's a busted up strategy. What's the line from uh, the Princess Bride? You know, don't, don't, don't start a land war in Asia against Russia. So, yeah, that's where we're at. So the strat's going to change, blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, we're all just trying to survive, looking at the shit that's going on in, uh, in Gaza. And what, what's the latest news? The, um, uh, the Zionist, uh, current Zionist leadership have rejected the peace offer uh, from, which was 174 days or something, uh, plus prisoner exchange and so forth, uh, that came from Hamas, and they've gone, nah, that's not good enough, we want to kill you all. <laughs> Fair enough. See what that does to your international reputation. It's, 
like the ICJ thing is just going to keep going. This is not going to get better. You really should settle your way out of this as soon as possible, Israel. That's the only way. But no, they're not doing that because they're, you know, they, all they're doing is seeing red and they just want to kill all the Palestinians. Ethnic cleansing, ethno supremacist, Nazi bullshit all over again. Anyway. Um, but of all of the stuff that I've just mentioned, this is the real thing. This is what I suggest. This stuff, right? The legal thing that Danny um, Sheehan presents. Start with the history and then get into this. And with that, I bid you farewell.